Tweeters and 12, where we break Twitter down into small, bite-sized chunks of people-flavored meat. I'm Mark. I'm Brent. And today's guest is Jenny Pentland. Hey, Jenny. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys? We're doing really well. So you are a writer, a tweeter of note, a resident of Hawaii, making, I think, you the first Hawaiian resident uh, tweeter that we've had. Yep, number one. I have to say I'm jealous. <laughs> you should be. Uh, I was there a couple years ago, and it was fantastic. It is very beautiful. It's different when you're vacationing than it is when you're living here because, you know, I'm up in the mountains, and I don't get to the beach very often, but it's still beautiful, and the people are lovely. Which, uh, which island are you on? I'm on the big island, which is the most rural. It's the largest island, but it's also the least populated, and it's very rural. I live in cattle country. Is that where they have most of the telescopes? Because I know there's a lot of telescopes that happen yeah. in Hawaii because it's so dark sky. Yeah, there's a mountain out here called Mauna Kea. It's like the largest mountain in the world from under the um, under the ocean, from the base of it to the top. And it, it's called Mauna Kea, and it's got like two giant telescopes on it, but they're owned by like Japan and other places, but everybody uses them. They're, I can see them out my window right now. That's cool. That's very cool. So cool. you actually do some you do farming out there, and you've got animals... You've got three goats, two cats, one giant Great Dane. It's it's quite the menagerie. And you've got four kids? Yes, I have four sons. Wow. I know. That's a lot of that's a lot of boy a lot of boy energy. Do you ever feel a little bit bit out testosterone? Absolutely. And for some reason all the animals we end up getting and we don't really go seeking animals, they kind of just end up coming to us and they're all males and it's like I've, one of my goats is a girl and the other two are boys and she's the only except our chickens every everything else is male dogs cats children husband do you ever whip up a couple of cosmos and just go up with a goat and just say <laughs> I, I need girl time uh i have a couple of good girlfriends here thank god and and on the mainland that helps balance it out do you go to the mainland frequently i i've been at least once a year for the past six years that i've lived out here but I always like, I miss it when I'm here. And then the second I get there, I'm like, why? Why do I miss it? Why did I come back here? Get me out of here. It's bittersweet when I do go. I don't try to get out there, but I end up there about once a year. So one of the things that you listed in your interests is permaculture. Can you, yeah. can you describe what permaculture is for those who don't know? Like, like me? I like, like <laughs> <laughs> it's, basically, um, it's basically a system of agriculture where it's all very simple and intuitive and within the lines of Mother Nature instead of like going into a, like a property and raising everything and knocking it down and destroying it and planting things and then tilling everything. It's like a system of creating your own forest floor and system that basically takes care of itself. So like a lot of it's about water mitigation. Like water is one of the most important things but basically you uh try to saturate your entire property and it's such a big thing for me to try to go into it's ridiculous but basically it's working with mother nature instead of against the laws of nature like most uh, industrial agriculture it, it ends up being simpler costing less money you make your own fertilizer you don't end up needing as many pesticides or any pesticides if you do it right and uh it's basically like how agriculture and farming should be it's it's amazing i encourage everybody just to look into it because there are ways to to do it and even a small like even a if you're in a city in an apartment or 
I've, I've heard of some farmers, organic farmers, mixing in other species to try and reduce the requirement for pesticides. It's So it's sort of like that, but maybe more so? Yeah, it goes into everything. You go into wind, air, water, catchment, um, electrical. You can produce your own energy, everything. But it is basically that. You use a lot of chickens to control bugs and to bring weeds down instead of pesticides. And like the goats keep the grass down. That's part of the reason we have so many animals is they're all incorporated into the system. And then their their manure, if you set your property up right, their manure kind of runs down into the area where you're going to be gardening. So you have now fertilizer for free. And it, it's a, you know, the world and the earth is a perfect working system without us. And we kind of came in and just pillaged everything. And it's sort of getting back to the idea of, oh, we can, we can live here and we can maybe survive if we kind of work with the laws of nature instead of trying to profit off everything and profit off death and, and gain from, gain from others' losses. Basically, it's, it's a whole, consciousness movement and that kind of thing too so it's um, it's very punk rock to me I'm, it's not like uh, something I take lightly it's very I'm very angry when I'm doing it it's very subversive I'm in the town meetings and you know always involved in something going to all the county meetings and stuff about soil and it's very subversive it ends up being very subversive because we live in a in a world that you know really likes profit and doesn't really like life so. It's interesting that you say punk rock because, it, yeah, a lot of the people I knew who were into the punk scene were also very much into social uh, social action. So is this yeah. – were, were you by any chance a uh, – do you see yourself as a as a punker as well or – I was when I was a teenager. I mean, I was a little brat. I was a shithead. I got locked up for like five years. And like from 13 to 18, I was not at home at all. I was in various boarding schools or uh, bad teenager programs and stuff. And most of the reasons I was in there, I never really, I've always been kind of a square and I never really did drugs or any of that kind of stuff. Most of the reason I was in there was problems with authority. And I definitely, definitely still have that. And this is like a way of me kind of <laughs> trying to make that a proactive thing. But my problems with authority always were like, you're stupid and I can tell, <laughs> I know that you're stupid and I can see what you're doing. I, I see that you're, you have malicious intent and you're trying to convince me you don't so that I'll play into your game and I'm not going to do that because I'm not as stupid as you think I am. And that was a lot of my, you know, that's what I viewed it as. I'm sure I just looked like a little spoiled brat, but you know, I thought, I thought it was <laughs> social justice or some kind of civil unrest or something I don't know so I live in a small town now and I'm with a very small community and I see how they do things and how there isn't really that one overruling kind of entity like there was in the city it was the police force and the people and out here it's more like everybody knows each other everybody's related to somebody in the police force it's not like this big us and them mentality where I'm at right now so I can kind of see a difference in how I think things should work and I, I also you know, I don't know. I'm I kind of somewhere in between a socialist and an anarchist, I guess. I don't know what I am. <laughs> I think small makes that possible. Like that sort of relationship. For sure. I completely agree. And I think that everything's going to have to either we're willingly going to have to go back to being in smaller communities where we grow our own food in those communities or we're going to unwillingly have to go into that. And I, I don't see a way other than smaller communities to do that. And I, and actually going from L.A. to here and realizing that all those horrible feelings I had in L.A., like being disenfranchised and uh, hating myself and knowing that there was more to life and that I, I was just playing this this suburban game, the keeping up with the Joneses thing, like that was expected of me to do that because I had like two kids and I was living in this very uh, nice Manhattan beach where like everybody has money and my mommy bought me my house there. So I right away didn't fit in and wasn't kind of going the way of everybody else. But after a few years there, I was just like, what am I doing? This isn't it. And 
I knew something was wrong. And when I came out here, I was like, oh, that's what it was. I don't have a sense of community. I'm not close to other people. There's not like, just not that, you know, that just when you're in a small community, you're in a family and we're really disenfranchised from that, that way of doing things. And it's sad. It, it is sad. Now, we should probably mention your mother bought you at your house. Your, your mother is, <laughs> we just briefly mentioned is Roseanne Barr, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, my mother. Just for those who don't know. Well, but, uh, a lot of people don't know, and I don't really talk about it that much because I forget. Because to me, she's you know she's my mom. Mom. And yeah. it's the typical mother daughter relationship, highs and lows, and good and bad stuff, and all that. And we have a good relationship now, and we're close now, and everything. But there was times when we weren't. So it's always been kind of like she's my mom, but it's like, and I'm her daughter, but I'm not Roseanne Barr's daughter. That's not who I am. So it kind of like escapes me to tell people that. So a lot of times people will be like, you know, why are you, you know, why are you doing what you're doing or who are you? Or will ask me questions like that. And I'm like, I don't know. But then I forget that's probably what they're trying to ask me. So I have to be like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm Roseanne Barr's daughter. But as you say, you're you're a farmer, a writer, an artist. And actually, we haven't even touched on your writing and your art. Uh, we've been talking about that's okay. I haven't know, really either. Permaculture. We didn't ask her what she grows. That's either. that's true. We didn't ask you what you grow. Do you grow? Brent, did you say you heard macadamia nuts? Yeah, we have. A, we manage yeah. a macadamia nut farm. It's my mom's farm. That is. Fantastic. It was fantastic. And there was this reality show. They actually did it one or two seasons. I don't know. I was really pissed off when it was happening. So you can just see the contempt on my face. But it was called Roseanne's Nuts. And I think you can find it online and like by the episodes. But I just, I mean, I looked like just pissed off the entire time. If you don't, I, I, I was mad. But it was well, if there's a film, if there's a film crew tromping around my farm, I'd probably oh, yeah. be a little ticked off. Too. I was pissed. And plus, I just I left L.A. to get away from that stuff. And it just kind of found me here. And I didn't want to do it. And I said no, and then got guilted into it by my family members. And then I agreed and then immediately regretted it. And it was exactly what I thought it was going to be, which was like a really male dominated, young male dominated show where these people were trying to talk about family and farming and were like these city boys and I was just like what is going on here and then they brought in these drop dead gorgeous hot young girls that I was like okay that's cool what are they here for they were all story editors and I was like okay but they're like 20 I, I I get that they're story editors but they're fucking 20 like I didn't know shit about myself at 20 I didn't know shit about stories I didn't know anything about anything and it was obvious that the producer had crushes on like three of them and it was just this weird I was just like okay I, I don't want to be involved anymore and I got really negative I'm sure I made it really hard on everybody and and so they I, I'm not saying I'm the reason they canceled it but they they stopped doing it but you can still see like <laughs> 10 episodes online if you look it up but yeah, it's a macadamia nut farm. We have a huge greenhouse and garden and stuff too. And we do, um, and we grow pretty much everything, but that's the big crop. That's really awesome. Yeah, it's cool. Okay. And that's Awuga. the sound that tells us, uh, that's our, <laughs> that's our that tells us it's time to go into the Twitter related questions. Yes. And Brent, we'll take it away. What is your proudest Twitter moment? I, I really love messing with Monsanto and trolling Monsanto and just it, I, I'm filled with a sense of pride even if those tweets get absolutely no likes. I just feel really good about I just tweeted Monsanto and, and uh, quoted out of the dictionary what a pest actually was and they fit the entire definition of pest and I said do you think you guys could maybe manufacture something to get rid of this and it was a picture I was really proud of that and also when I trolled the Pope that was my other favorite. Which which Pope? The um, pope or, no, or? the last pope. I I think I just he oh. got on Twitter yeah, and he pope. got like a million Twitter followers right away. And I said, "Who do I gotta fuck around here to get a million followers?" And I said, "Oh, never mind." <laughs> <laughs> 
What is your uh, favorite real life Twitter moment? Um, I've met a lot of really cool people, and I've had like a couple of tweet ups in LA that I had to take a Xanax before because I was so nervous. And then after afterwards, I was like, that was ridiculous and fun. And I met a lot of cool people, but I don't really have any real Twitter moments because I don't like go anywhere. <laughs> That's fair enough. Just finally to round it off here, give us one underrated tweeter that you think everybody should be following. Well, I have two. I'm breaking your rules, sorry. But there's um, L. Sanguito. Everybody does. Okay. At L. Sanguito <laughs> is somebody who is underrated and incredibly intelligent and so sweet and just has amazing things to say. It's E-L-S-A-N-G-I-T-O. And then also I love uh, Carrie, who is high K underscore by B-Y-E. And she's hilarious. It just constantly is putting out these like just under the radar, really funny things all the time. And she actually happens to live right down the road from me. So she's a Hawaii person, oh, cool. too, but I love That's her. Cool. Yeah. All right. That's, That's it for me. All right. Well, Jenny, thank you so much for joining us this uh, this podcast. Thank you. This has been Tweeters in 12. I'm Mark. I am Brent. And we'll see you next time. Bye.